Arguments About Nothing is brought to you by Finding Togetherness in a Time of Social Distancing. Welcome back to Arguments About Nothing. I'm Shelby Samsel. I'm Hannah Bennett. And we are so happy to be bringing you some uh, coronavirus content uh, <laughs> to get you through your quarantines. Ironically, Shelby and I are both battling off various types of illness, although neither of us have the coronavirus. I want to make that very clear. I have sinus infection. And I just have a cold, but we both have scratchy voices, so uh, we apologize if our our beautiful tones are not what they once were. Um, you're welcome for these sexy, sexy voices, is what I'm going to say. Okay, fair enough. These are our jazz singer voices. Yeah, exactly. But before we get started on our content, I want to say that, first of all, we've been visited by the ghost yet again. Yep, um, yep. And so he definitely needs a name, listeners. Uh, second of all, beyond both being sick and being haunted, I think we might also be cursed. Oh, <laughs> this is news to me, listeners. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I didn't talk about sh- this with Shelby beforehand, but I do think we might be cursed. And and here's my reasoning. Did you like cross some sort of witch? <laughs> I think I must have, or angered some sort of deity. All right. Uh, because after we recorded our last episode, and um, Shelby kind of made a crack about how she doesn't fall down as much as I do. I did. And then directly after that, she fell down. Yeah, and like really hurt myself. <laughs> and and I made a crack in the last episode about how like I didn't even care about turbulence on flights unless it's like the really scary variety. And then I got on a flight and experienced very scary turbulence. <laughs> Which also reminded me of a point I forgot to make last episode, which is that along with the scary turbulence, there's also the motion sickness, which I forgot about until last week when it reared its ugly head. Anyway, I'm just trying to say, if the things that we talk about in our podcast are going to start coming true. Chin tickler, chin tickler, (laughs) chin tickler. No, 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 no. I think we might need to rethink our content strategy. Oh my god, you're gonna start naming a guy who tickles your chin and smears mayo on his face, and I am living for it. (laughs) I think maybe we should only do very positive would you rathers from here on out, so that whatever deity is trying to smite us, like we can only do questions that are like, would you rather someone say that they love you or that you get a piece of chocolate cake? I have a good question like that today. Okay, great. But we have other questions too. <laughs> Nothing is too bad, I don't think. I also think probably the curse could turn anything we say against us, so. Yeah, I, well, what you're telling me is that we're magic and the things that we say come to life so james a caster should be showing up in our life (laughs) any moment now james a caster where are you i don't want bad turbulence however if those those things bring you to james a caster worth it yeah exactly so you know okay you've actually really turned my mind around on this (laughs) this whole curse thing yeah so thank you for that you can quarantine with james a caster Fantastic. Great. I'm glad we got that settled for you. Well, for those of you who have not listened to us before. (laughs) This was a weird cold open. Um, It was. 
This is Arguments About Nothing. We are a podcast that discusses silly and ridiculous hypothetical situations seriously as if they are something when in fact they are nothing. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to kick off today's show uh, with the listener's final say. Uh, basically, I kicked some of our questions from our last episode, episode t- 9, 10? 10. Episode 10, uh, out now. Kick those questions to some of the listeners to see if you agreed with me, if you agreed with Hannah, if you thought we were both crazy, because at the end of the day, what we think doesn't really matter. What you think is more important. So... Uh, the first question is, would you rather wear flip-flops in a rainstorm or hiking boots with wool socks on a super hot day? What do you, where do you think the breakdown for this is, Hannah? I, well, so here's the thing. See, normally I always lose. Normally I, I'm always in the minority. However, oddly in our last in our last podcast episode, we agreed on almost everything. Yeah. So I, I don't know if my karma or your karma is going to win out here. Yeah. Well, I originally went flip-flops, but then Hannah talked me into hiking boots. Um, but I will say there was a definitive answer amongst our listeners. 77% of people went flip-flops in a rainstorm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So the argument against slippery flip-flops in a rainstorm really does not compel other people. I mean... I still feel like a winner because I convinced you, so. <laughs> Honestly, I still think we're right, and everyone yeah. else hasn't uh, heard our wonderful arguments. <laughs> Next question is, would you rather drive through a blizzard or take a flight with constant turbulence? Uh, there, was a, there was a decisive answer on this. Okay. And it was 60%, so a little less than the, the foot fears, uh, but 60% of people went turbulence instead of driving through the blizzard. All right, that's respectable. So they agreed with us. Um, This one I found really interesting. Um, It's you're in the early 2000s show Fear Factor. Challenge to eat something gross or lay in something freaky. And if I recall, we both immediately wanted to lay in something freaky rather than eat something gross and, and would like hear no argument against it, basically. Yeah, I truly believed that 0% of people would say eat something gross. But 43% of people said that they would eat something gross. Wow. It w- and this, like, this sat at 50-50 for most of the day. So I was like, who are, I have so many follow-up questions for the people who would rather ingest <laughs> disgusting things than lay in something gross. I just, I don't understand it. I like I can't even like sometimes I can see the argument on the other side and I'm like that's not for me but I can see you and I can but I don't I can't even see this argument. I can't either. Although I it's actually not that surprising to me considering the the show did have about 50/50 yeah. split of people who chose one or the other. So I guess, you know, general population yeah is split. Uh and then would you still go out with them? And it's basically like you're a perfect person. You've set up a date. They reach out to confirm. After you've confirmed, they're like, hey, I'm going to bring my buddy with me. See you later. Zero people said the more the merrier. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, of course. Um, and then 18% of people said, I'm taking a rain check. We can reschedule. 27% of people said, I'll go, but this is not ideal. Oh, that's kind of a high percentage. Yeah. 
And then 54% of people said, this guy's weird. I'm moving on. Great. Yeah. Glad to hear it. That is 54% of people do not want to be Cyrano'd is what that means. Yeah. Well, also, people came down harder on this guy than we did. Because you and I were like, we'll reschedule. Yeah, I think we, we were sort of like, we'll tell him no thank you and make sure he's okay with that yeah (laughs) like like, yeah I guess maybe we fell somewhere in between C and D where it was like I'll try to reschedule with him and if he's like tonight or nothing then it's like nothing but like I would try to reschedule um and I thought that was interesting that only 18% of people went that way yeah I mean thank you as always listeners for participating and giving us feedback um this time we got to present a united front and yeah. um, we can both disagree with you. So that's great. It's yeah. great for me, who usually just loses. I will say that it's like getting the results is less exciting because I can't rub it in your face. Because we This agree. time you mean. Yeah. Right. So. Well, let's try very hard not to agree about things this time. All right. Great. <laughs> so you want to do, do some listeners' questions? Yeah. I have a listener question. Shoot. This comes from Meredith Bennett, friend of the show. And the question is, would you rather be a ninja or a pirate? Oh, I've heard this one before. Great question. (sighs) I'm really curious about your question for this, considering in a previous episode, we talked about how you were a pirate for quite some time. Yeah, uh, my answer is pirate. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, I have uh, the seafaring life in my soul. <laughs> yeah. I, I, tell, I Tell me why pirates are better than ninjas, Shelby. So I don't know if everyone should be a pirate over a ninja. Like, I'm not here to say that pirates are better than ninjas. I'm just saying, as Shelby Samsel, I would make a better pirate than I would make a ninja. That's what I'm saying. I think Hannah's not going to go pirate because she's afraid of the ocean. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, cat's out of the bag on that one. So, I would be shocked if she was like, yes, I'm going to live a life at sea. Yeah, it was was pretty much a foregone conclusion that I was not going to pick pirate. But I still want to hear why you would pick pirate. Well, I don't have an issue with the ocean first. There is so much more to the life of a pirate than just being on the ocean, Shelby. Yeah, I said first. (laughs) Two, I have a lot of issues with authority. And I feel like ninjas are very, like, hierarchical. Whereas pirates are all about breaking the rules. So um, that's... Although they're supposed to follow their captain. Yeah. In my head, I'm the captain. (laughs) I still think it's, like, less highly regimented than, like, ninjas, you know? Like, ninjas okay. seem very strict, very disciplined, very highly trained. Pirates In my head, drink. I'm the top ninja. What's the top ninja called, by the way? Samurai. Do you know that? Or did you just decide that? I think it's a samurai. I don't know, though. Sensei? I don't know. Anyway, go back to pirates. Even if I, like, I, even if I wasn't, like, the captain, I just feel like when I think of pirates, it's like they spend most of their time sailing, right? Like, you know, it takes a really long time to get places on the ocean. Yeah. So, like, most of their time is spent, like, drinking rum and sailing, which sounds fun. 
you know. I To me, it sounds like a hygiene nightmare. Yeah. I don't know. That doesn't bug me as much. You never see pictures of pirates with, like, great dental work and, uh, and like, well-washed hair. Yeah. Well, I also like camping and stuff. So, like, hygiene's overrated. Yeah, you go camping for a weekend. As a pirate, you live your life in this fashion. Yeah, I, I don't have an issue with that. That's fine. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, like, as long as we're all dirty together. I, I also feel what like... a sweet sentiment, by the way. Yeah, well, like, there seems... In my head, there's more camaraderie between pirates than there are ninjas. Like, in my head, ninjas, like, maybe are trained together, but then they go out, off on their missions alone. Like, ninjas seems lonelier to me. I mean, you don't know what they do in their free time when they're not fighting people. Sure. They might, ha- they might have bridge club for all we know. Like, Yeah, but I can only base this on what I know, uh, right? Like, I can't, you know. I'm just saying ninjas have, you know, t- 24 hours a day in their lives, too. They only spend a couple of those hours, like, fighting fighting bad guys. Yeah, but I feel like they're always on, like, stakeouts and, like, you know, following people in the shadows. And, like, it's a <laughs> life of, like, in the shadows, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, like, maybe they've got wireless in the shadows. <laughs> you don't know. Right, but, like, again, I, if it's between, like, being this highly disciplined fighting agent or, like, going on a sailing trip with my buddies. I'm going to go sailing trip with my buddies. What about the fact that pirates are, generally speaking, portrayed as bad guys because they are, you know, ruthless and murderous and they are thieves and they attack and steal things and kill people? What about that aspect of the piracy? I mean, ninjas kill people, too. They have bad people. In general, I don't love violence. But, like, every person's like villain is someone else's freedom fighter you know what i mean <laughs> like <laughs> i imagine that like i'm picturing us like stealing from like the british royalty or whatever and i don't have qualms about that really i mean but you're not robin hood you're a pirate yeah sure i mean like pirates have codes too like they have codes of honor and whatnot the law of the sea <laughs> maritime law I don't know if that's the same thing or not, but... <laughs> I don't uh, think it is, no. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I mean, like, I wouldn't want to be a ninja or a pirate, but if I have to pick between the two, I'm going to pick the life that seems more chill. And in my head, pirate seems more chill. But to me, okay, so to me, pirate seems like you're stuck on a boat with a bunch of other very smelly people, most of them men, And you are literally stuck for many months at sea with, like, scurvy, and then you attack innocent people and, you know, maybe murder them uh, to steal their their plunder. Um, (laughs) A lot of pirates end up getting marooned on desert islands, like, and, and most of them aren't even, like, badasses. They're just, like, sailors who ended up being... You know, bad people. Wow, such shade at sailors. They're not even no, badasses. No. They're just sailors. <laughs> what I mean is that, I just you know, say they're thank on you boat. so much for the troops in the Navy. I think you're a badass. Clearly, it goes without saying that troops in the Navy and sailors <laughs> can be badasses, but they're not pirates. 
Sure. Um, I think I, I, I'm like gleaming from this that some of this might come from the fact that you're an introvert and I'm an extrovert. Because <laughs> you're talking about being like, I have to interact with people constantly. <laughs> I'm trapped horrible. on a boat with friendship. No, it sounds <laughs> awful. You're right. And I can never escape human contact. Where You're right. I ninjas think, are the introvert choice. Yeah, I think so. And when you were talking about like, well, ninja, like maybe on their off time, they just go watch Netflix and hang out. I'm like, yeah, but that sounds sad to me. <laughs> I've already <laughs> talked about on the podcast how I don't like watching TV. So yeah, I think ninjas are the introvert choice. And I think pirates are the extrovert choice. And I'm an extrovert. So I still strong pirate fan. Okay, and all the other stuff about the hygiene and the murder and the the plunder and the scurvy. No, I mean, like... Totally cool. I mean, like, they definitely had... I, I guess it depends on, like, where in history I'm a pirate, but, like, you know, current, like, modern-day pirates probably don't get scurvy as much because we know how to avoid it. That's true. Modern-day pirate, pirates, though, aren't as fun to think about. Right, yeah. They're... I wasn't think necessary, but, like... You know, they figured out the scurvy thing eventually. Sure. They eventually figured out that manatees weren't mermaids. Yeah. I don't know. I just think I really like the ocean. So, like, being out and, like, I think it'd be fun. Like, I don't love the idea of not being able to bathe, but, like, I think you'd get used to it. Okay. I don't, I mean, literally nothing about the life of the pirate appeals to me. I mean. Well, you don't like the ocean and you're an introvert. So, like, yeah, obviously you wouldn't want to be a pirate. <laughs> and I don't want to steal from people. And I, I, I don't want to, like, I don't know. I don't want to live this, like, ruffy and drunkard life. Oh, that's everything I want. Yeah, no, Just I kidding, would but... much rather, like, a, a life of, like, sort of a little bit more solitude, quiet study, a lot of hard sort of determined work to enhance and hone my skills and then go out and use them maybe for good and in the case of a ninja yeah i feel like ninjas are agnostic i feel like ninjas can be bad and they can be good exactly and i would choose to be a good ninja for sure and then i would be a badass with like a sword or some i don't know throwing stars or something i don't know just being uh, something about being a ninja really doesn't appeal to me the, the being, like, an expert fighter, you know, with, it's like... It's really the discipline thing. Oh. It's, like, really this, like, like heavily regimented, it seems, like, very rigid. Like, you have to have your, like, ninja suit, like, perfectly. It just seems like a very, a lot of... See, I don't think I'm as much of a perfectionist as you are. Whereas, like, I feel like you would find that diligent hard work very calming yeah, nothing about this so far is bothering me. Also, yeah. I feel like, you know, you wear all black. You can have, like, it doesn't have to be perfect. You can have wrinkles. I, like, the pirate life seems messy, and I like that. Mm. Yeah, and I think I would look nice in all black. So, so You do look yeah. nice in all black. I've seen that before. Oh, thank you. <laughs> welcome. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that I think we've, I think we're we've both answered right. it. I think we're both right because we've both chosen the things that would work best for us. Um, I still think it's crazy to choose pirate over ninja, but I, I understand your reasoning. Yeah, I mean, I think we really got to the root, the psychological root of the pirate versus ninja debate. Yeah. Um, do you want to move on to our next question? Yes, please. Well, you wanted a happy question, right? 
yes, I would like to not tempt this angry deity too much. Okay. Would you rather get a standing ovation from a packed theater or have one person that you admire tell you that they're proud of you? Very good question. (laughs) Yeah. So like you're like... I would rather have one person I really admire tell me honestly that they're proud of me, I think. Okay. Uh, Do you have a person in mind of who that would be? No. Okay. Not necessarily. Like, but assuming for this hypothetical that it's somebody whose opinion I trust and I can trust that they're being genuine about it and I care like you know i i care what they would think yeah yeah if if all of that can be the parameter then i don't necessarily have a person in mind okay well so here's why here's why i chose this way um i did theater in middle school and high school and college right and college and a lot of it was bad (laughs) really really bad I played Mother Goose in a play called Mother Goose Incorporated. Ooh, that's not how I thought that was going to end. Okay. No. Um, I think when I was in middle school or like early high school, and it was uh, just, I'm dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And I got a standing ovation because it was a packed house in a small community theater full of the parents of the kids in the show what if it was like carnegie hall would that well that changes things but that was not your question your question is like would you rather get a packed house standing ovation and what i'm trying to say is that doesn't necessarily mean anything that could just be like a bunch of people who are there to just basically clap because you did work it doesn't necessarily mean that it was good work whereas the the one person validating you um i feel like that would maybe just hold more weight for me. Yeah. If if it were Carnegie Hall, would that change things? Well, that would change things because that would mean that my career had gotten to a place where I could fill Carnegie Hall. <laughs> yeah. That's what, I, yeah. Like, I when I wrote this question, it's like, think like Madison Square Garden, Yankee Stadium, okay. Carnegie Hall. Like, yeah, I'm not so sure what different. the medium is, but like the biggest sure venue of like your you know if it's like a, if it's like carnegie hall or madison square garden yeah that i mean that changes it like most of the theaters i've been in have been packed and have had a standing ovation because i was at college or yeah. you know whatever again didn't mean necessarily that my work was phenomenal also often i was part of a large ensemble and so they might have very well been clapping for somebody else in that yeah. ensemble if it was just me selling out Madison Square Garden and I got a standing ovation, that would mean that I, on the merits of my own work, had gotten to the point in my career where I could sell out Madison Square Garden and headline and get a standing ovation. And all of that would mean much more to me than the praise of one nice person. Yes. <laughs> well, that's what I guess like the question is, like, is there anyone in your life whose opinion means more to you than all of the opinions Carnegie Hall could hold? Oh, I see. Oh, I see. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, that's Because fair. I have higher standards for myself than literally anybody else in my life could ever have. Okay. Yeah. Fair. That's interesting. I So I have also done a lot of theater slash performing stuff in my time. Um, I've also gotten a standing ovation before. 
it's cool, but like in my high school auditorium, not like the most impressive thing, especially when you know the crowd is packed with like family and friends of the people who are in the show. So yeah, if it was that compared to like, you know, someone who I really respect in the field being like, you are really good at this, I'd probably pick that. But if it, yeah, I don't know. So is there a person you had in mind that you, like would would tip the tides for you? Like is there one person who would be like, "Man, that is worth more to me than Carnegie Hall?" I think probably, yeah. Like John Green? Yeah, I, I, he's not the first person to come to mind cuz like in my head I'm like this is like an acting thing. So it would have to be like an actress I really really admire. Um, I don't know who that is. (laughs) I don't have anyone off the top of my head. But if, like, any Oscar winner was like, you did really good. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I guess it also depends on, like, the thing. Like, I feel like if an author I really admired read something I wrote and they were like, this is very good writing, that would mean more to me than having, like, a New York Times bestseller. Really? Interesting. Like, I would be okay with, like, writing a quieter book. Um, So, like, another part of this question is, like, what's more important, mass appeal versus, like, creating something that's maybe more authentic but, like, has a more niche audience? Right. Actually was thinking the exact same thing as you said that. Yeah. Like, the mass appeal, which is something I think about relatively frequently, right, as a book editor right yeah definitely where do you come down on that debate I've always been someone that has thought that well so like backing up I think there's often been a debate in literature that things with mass appeal are not good right uh and I've always I fully disagree with I agree I think it's like uh really pompous pretentious elitist yeah crap absolutely yeah um and i think that if you are able to create something with mass appeal you are able to create something that transcends boundaries in like a really beautiful way that's able to unite the human experience and to say that that's not valid or worthwhile is a worthy or good art yeah yeah, is crazy to me it's ridiculous but i also think that there is something that is really beautiful and being able to speak to a small community of people who may go underrepresented who may not be um the flashiest so like i to me i've always come down on this debate as like both things are valid right um and like good and have their own place um and you know serve their own purpose i tend to get more defensive of the mass appeal argument so do i generally speaking i i think it kind of goes without saying that if there is something that that sort of speaks to people in a sort of like high art sort of way, like literary fiction that is, you know, lauded by critics or whatever, that you can call that sort of empirically good. But I I feel like a lot of things get such short shrift um, because they're like, quote unquote, you know, mass appeal, which I think is just wildly unfair to, because they're just speaking to a different part of the art and speaking to a different part of the human experience. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. I also think, like, the way, like I'm thinking about this right now, and I'm just like, I, I think the mass appeal could feel hollow because it's harder, like, when that many people are, like, clapping for you, it doesn't feel, it can feel very surreal and not, like, grounded in, like, a real 
thing, you know? So it's like a, it's a more specific interaction if someone you're like someone you admire is proud of you like that feels very specific but on the other hand it's like I don't know if I've put anyone up on a pedestal so high that I like would really admire that like that it would mean more than the mass appeal argument because like I was thinking about I'm like who are the, the people who in my life have created works that have really like changed my life and like I'm like going through the list and a lot of them have been like canceled <laughs> or really oh I don't I'm not like a person who really taps into cancel culture I think that we all should be growing and learning and becoming better people right Um, but I do support criticism and because I support criticism I do recognize that like these people that I admire who have created great things their opinions have limits right just as they have limits sure um so maybe I go mass appeal maybe I go standing ovation I think I do go standing ovation because I I truly do think, too, even if it's just sort of on a personal level, having one person sort of validate that a piece of art that you created is good, um, it's like, that's really nice. I'm glad that you won author, but maybe you won author or you won actor or whatever. Yeah. think it's good because I admire your work and my work was in some way inspired similar, by yeah. or similar to your work and we are on a similar wavelength, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to touch people outside yeah. of this or reach other people. Um, and I think you know, art doesn't, it depends on what I guess you want out of the art that you're creating. Yeah. I mean, art doesn't have to be reaching wide audiences in order to be valuable and valid. Yeah. Uh, it could, it could just be something that makes you and one other person happy. Like this like podcast. This podcast. <laughs> yeah. And yet, you know, um, I feel like if you're asking which one would feel more validating towards your art, I think that having a, a whole huge crowd that has paid a lot of money to see you get up and stand up and say, I'm so glad I paid a lot of money to see you. Uh, yeah, there's, I think that's going to be a little bit more um, meaningful to me personally than like one person's opinion. Yeah. But again, I, it would have to be like a real venue that people actually yeah, yeah, yeah paid yeah. for and stuff. I am... Um... I think I'm also going standing ovation, but I would like to just, like, note that I think they're both very validating in different ways. Yes. You know? Like, it would be really sad to have a career where you only get standing ovations, but then no one you admire likes your work. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it'd be interesting if you could sell out Carnegie Hall. But your mom hates your work. (laughs) But, like, nobody you care about likes your work. all your friends and family are just like, this is trash. Right. You, like, sing, like, you know, kids' songs or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, you're Steve from Blue's Clues. And, you're Raffy. Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, you get standing ovations all the time with, like, you know. But, I bet Raffy's family does hate his work. Right. Can you imagine the earworms? <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, it's possible. Like, so, like, that obviously so. would not be good, right? I can't, I mean, so. I, like, my friends and family are just too nice for that. Like, I just can't even... <laughs> so, I think that... I also think that, like, the standing ovations, you assume if you're doing so well that you're selling out Carnegie Hall or whatever, that the people you love and who care about you are on that train with you. 
Right. Whereas, like, the the opposite is not true. Like, just because, like, people you love and admire are giving you praise does not mean that you're selling out Carnegie Hall, right? So You've just described my whole life. Right, yeah. So And every artistic endeavor I've ever attempted. You guys, we're, what we're manifesting right now is this podcast playing a live show at Carnegie Hall. I don't think they do that. But do like, they do Carnegie Hall? I don't, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, the McElroys did the Grand Ole Opry. I on it. I think maybe John Green did do the Carnegie Hall at some point, but I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but we're manifesting it here. We're gonna be the first podcast live show at Carnegie Hall <laughs> of all time. So you know, you heard it here first. All right, I think we should move on to another question. Okay, cool. I'm glad we solved that. Um, everyone, please tell us that you're proud of us, or just clap in our general direction the next time you see us. I got one that's a little bit more. Uh, silly. Okay. After our very serious discussion about like mass media versus high art. I want to say that I didn't think that was going to get as serious as it did. I know. I will say that like because of the election and coronavirus, I was in like a little bit more of a serious mood today when I was writing the questions. So like we'll see how this goes. (laughs) Uh, But this one is not that serious. (laughs) Okay, great. How much money would someone have to pay you for you to agree to wear underwear that's one size too small every day for one year? <laughs> Hannah's face is so upset. No, it's it's not upset. It's she's it she's crunching to, the numbers. It's a coming to terms with the fact that the number is lower probably than it should be. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Yes, fair. It is, it is me sort of sitting here and thinking of numbers and thinking like, I should go higher than that, right? Yeah, it's weird. It's like hard to get a ballpark. It is. Nice. Because, so there's 365 days in a year. So how much does it take for you for one day? I don't know, like 20 bucks. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. Um, so let's do the math on this. But that's going to sound real low once you get... That, that's what I'm saying. Every number that I was coming up with, I was like, value yourself more, Hannah. <laughs> value your own comfort more. If, if it's 20 bucks a day, that's $7,300. Let's round it up to $10,000. We'll call it an evil 10000 What's What's uh, 365 times 50 is 18000 Yeah, I think I would do it for less than that, though. I think I'd be more than 20. Would I? See, the thing is, like, the first day, I would be at 20 bucks. But right. every day would get a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like, after the first month, I would be like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then they'd be like, what about 30? And then I'd be like, fine. You know, the <laughs> rates would go up slowly I over see. time. It's an escalating yeah, scale Yeah, it would be here. an escalating scale, uh, which I don't know how to do the math quickly on something like that. <laughs> we're just not going to. Yeah. Listeners, listeners, we're not going to. Okay. Great. But if listeners want to do the math on that for me, sure. let me know. Um, I'm open to it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clock in like, like 13,000. Okay. You know. Here's the God's honest truth. I'm currently wearing underwear that is too small for me. <laughs> and nobody paid me shit. I just didn't have time to do laundry this week. <laughs> I just laughed so hard that I knocked my headphones off. 
So I don't know what Hannah just said. So that'll be a surprise for me when this episode comes out. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, see, this was a more fun question, right? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I wish I had been paid for it. <laughs> but I wasn't. So literally any amount of money is a net win for you well that's why i was saying i'm embarrassed at how low the number is <laughs> like a dollar a day 365 dollars like that's fine no no i wouldn't do it for a dollar a day yeah. but ten thousand dollars yeah i would <laughs> yeah yeah i don't yeah i don't think you're wrong yeah i don't it's like funny how you break down the math because if you do it by day I think it becomes lower because I'm like, how much did I need to be caught, like paid a month to do that? Every day for a month, I'm like, five hundred dollars, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that, right. that. Then you end up with like, you know, way more than that. So, yeah, I think it's just like how you think about it. But I think my floor would probably be like ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Anything less than that, I'd be like, nah. Yeah, because because why, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not like it's not the most uncomfortable thing, right? Right. It's, like, not the best, obviously. You get used to it as the day progresses. Right. They stretch out a little bit. Yeah. You know. I wasn't actively thinking about my own current situation as we were, you know, as yeah. we were doing this podcast until you brought it up. Yeah, I called you out like that. Um, I did not I know. I did not about. know Hannah about Hannah's situation until she told us that we are not that close. Um so, just want, for the record, no, we don't discuss these email things. Email her ahead of time. Like, hey, my... Uh, like, hey, I got a situation going on. That, that's how Hannah speaks to me. <laughs> for the record, that is how Hannah speaks to me. Okay, so do we want to move on to our Bang, Mary Kill? Shelby, Bang, yeah. Mary Kill, spring, summer, and fall. Spring, summer, fall. So winter is already dead. Uh, yes. <laughs> interesting. This is really hard. I know. That's why I asked. Oh, God. This is so hard, Hannah. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. See, it's like ideal spring, summer, fall or like reality spring, summer, fall. Because like I feel re- like reality spring, sum- like reality spring doesn't exist. You know, <laughs> like in New York, it's like in New York, cold, it doesn't. Right. and then it's summer, and then it's like spring doesn't exist. Um, well, let's just decide here and now: reality or ideal. You can choose. Okay, then I think we should do ideal. Okay, like, and if that's the case, oh, that's hard though. Well, do you want me to tell you my answer? Yeah. If we're doing ideal, is this different from reality? Yeah. But I think ideal, you bang spring. Spring is all about making babies, right? I mean, spring spring is I mean, about fertility. Literally, the fertility festival yeah, happens yeah. in spring. Also, it's like the time of like new life and new warmth and, you know, budding relationships and also um, Twitter-pated animals. So it, speaking in ideals, I think I would marry fall. Okay. Because to me, fall has a real connection to family in a way. Like all the holidays are in fall and, you you know, you've got a lot of like, you've got the sort of like back to school vibe. You've got the holiday vibe and you've got the sort of. You like the back to school vibe? No, I'm saying it's, it's, 
it's You're sort of a, a family. Nerd. No, it's like a family vibe. <laughs> also, yes, I am a nerd. I'm such a nerd. But I'm going to marry back to school. <laughs> no, no, no. I meant that it is a family vibe, right? Yeah, I get it. Like, to me, fall is like family time associated in my brain. And summer is too hot. So, yeah. Kill. Um, it's unpleasant. Ticks, bugs, chiggers, heat waves, sweat, gross. No. Bye, summer. I disagree with you on all counts. Okay. Um, yeah, so I'm going to bang summer um, because I like summer, but in small doses, you know? Like, I, li- I, like, I want to, like, a beach weekend, you know? Like, it's cool to go somewhere, like, warm and, like, I, I love the sunlight in the summer. Like, there's so much sunlight in the summer, which is amazing. I wouldn't want to get rid of summer. So bang summer. Which is like, all right, fall and spring. Hard choice. It is. But like, and if we were going reality, I would marry fall and kill spring. Okay. But we're not going reality. We're going ideal. And in an ideal world, if we actually had a nice spring, I would marry spring and um, kill fall. And here's why. Spring has always been my favorite season. Uh, it's baseball starts. <laughs> uh, Wait, baseball? That's... <laughs> I love baseball season. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I played softball growing up. So it was like my favorite sport. It was like my favorite time of the year. I got to play my favorite sport. Got it. Like all of my favorite extracurriculars happened in spring. The school year was almost over. So like things were winding down. I love the feeling of like the sun coming back after a dark winter it just like feels like so like it's like a time of renewal yeah Yeah. it's just like it feels so hopeful and you're like I have it feels like you can take on the world right like it's just like I have so much there's so much year left there's so much sunlight ahead of you like you get to look forward to like the like it just feels like a time of possibility I agree there's you know like the 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 plants are blooming. It just, like, feels like everything's waking up out of, like, this, like, very, like, dark time. So, like, I love spring. But that, to me, is why it feels like the beginning of a relationship, when it would all be lusty. And that is why I chose bang for spring. That, and yeah, because I, nature I, I, agrees with me, and spring is apparently when the animals bang. Yeah, I mean, I see where you're coming from. I just think I like summer more than you. Yeah, probably. Although like, I will say, if it was reality, I would not be killing summer because I work in publishing and we get summer Fridays. And, yeah. And no no way would I give that up. I just would never want to give up the season that has the most sunlight. Yeah, I, to me, that's not that's not the reason to keep it. I also come from Oof, North Carolina where summer is disgusting. Yeah. So I kind of have bad associations with it. That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I like summer... But I I don't like it as much as I like spring. But you would kill fall, beautiful fall, the leaves turning and the little chill in the air, and you get to like have your holidays and Halloween and pie. I like fall. Like in reality, like my favorite season is like the first month of every season. Me too. Yes, so it's not like same. I dislike any – I don't even dislike winter, right? Um, but fall has always felt like, to me – this also might be an introvert versus extrovert thing again. 
where it's like I feel like fall is the winding down and like the return to indoors and like the return to like solitude and coziness and like that's good but like I don't like it as much as like I think spring and summer are more extroverted seasons see I feel like winter is all those things that you just described but fall to me is a very active season like I spend the fall walking through the park looking at the leaves going out for like getting you know coffee with friends like I don't know because you can just wear like a light jacket and a scarf and you can still be very happily outside it might be because I grew up in Ohio where like met most of my Halloweens there was like a foot of snow on the ground oh gross yeah like we didn't really get much of a fall it's different now because of climate change but right. like growing up fall like lasted for like two weeks and then it was like snow from November through February okay and I just like remember being a kid and being like y- you know it's back to school time so like again like that always had like a sad uh, connection for me. Again, um, I'm not trying to say I love back to school time so much as I was trying to list all the like family gathering, like togetherness associations that I have with fall. Yeah. Well, I can't fault you for your answers, but I yes. do disagree with them. Should we move That's on to okay. our next question? Sure. Would you rather have an immortal pet, so a pet that lives forever, or a soulmate who you can only communicate with via FaceTime? They live on Mars, so you can never. (laughs) I thought about this. I was about to say, interesting. I mean, neither is plausible, so I don't know why my brain, like, was like, oh, yeah, sure, a mortal pet, but I don't get the FaceTime What? I don't get the FaceTime thing at all. He's in prison, but they allow him to FaceTime. (laughs) It's a very specific sort of crime. That allows you to go to prison, but still use FaceTime. <laughs> but still use your phone. Interesting. He's in a he's in a prison on Mars. He's in a prison. Does he have to be in a prison? <laughs> it's, it's one thing if he's just like a scientist on Mars. He could still be my soulmate. Yeah, he's a scientist on Antarctica. Oh, honestly, I don't think he would be my soulmate in that case. He is. Um. So my immediate reaction was so stupid. (laughs) It was so stupid, Shelby. It was so stupid because my immediate reaction was, I don't believe in soulmates, as if I do believe in immortal pets. (laughs) Yeah, you have to work with a parameter question. (laughs) Immortal pets... Fine. I love how we are so jaded in love that we find immortal pets more plausible than a good man. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing so hard. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, my brain. So stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so, immortal pet. Okay, tell me why. Because I would get to spend physical time with the <laughs> mortal pet. You also could, you couldn't kill it, right? It's immortal. <laughs> so it's like. That, <laughs> that did not occur to me. No, I just meant like. <laughs> what do you do to your pet, Shelby? 
you could try really hard, but even if you did, you couldn't kill it. Yeah, you could, you could really never bad. feed it, but you could like have all kinds of horrible things you did to this pet, but you couldn't kill it. Well, like, I don't know what part of the reason that I hesitate about getting a pet is it feels like a lot of responsibility because you have to keep it alive. <laughs> it seems really hard. But like, if I know that I can't kill it, it takes so much of the pressure off. No, it doesn't because you, can't, <laughs> you, can't, you still can't do animal cruelty. I wouldn't want to. <laughs> Let's just, I'm putting this out here. It doesn't change the responsibilities that you have towards your pet. You still Wait, have to less, feed it and it, not kill it. It lessens the consequences. Getting a pet's scary, and that would assuage some of my fears. I know. I know what you're trying to say. I'm just giving you a hard time. But I don't hurt animals. I know. I know you don't. I know. So I would go with an immortal pet because, honestly, one of the worst things about having a pet is that it their does. lifespans are so much shorter than humans. And so you yeah. get wonderfully attached to and in love with this beautiful pet. And then, you know, they pass away within, you know, five to 20 years. And so I think that would make it so that that pet can be your soulmate for life. And you get to spend time with it and you get to like... You get to know that it lives beyond you, which is kind of beautiful in a way. Yeah. And you get the the constant companionship. But if you had a soulmate who you could never see in person, God, I feel like that would be torture. Like, I'd almost rather be alone than have It's someone... almost a curse, yeah. It's a curse. Like, to have a soulmate, to know that they're your soulmate, to know that they're out there, but you can't be with them, you can't ever see them, you can't touch them it's, yeah no it, it that sounds like torture to, like it sounds like horrible yeah interesting yeah I feel like I feel differently about this okay because like my first instinct was to go with the soulmate tell me why I don't know I just like in my head I imagine that the conversations would be like really meaningful and amazing and like very supportive yeah, like, I think there's something really special when you meet someone that you just, like, immediately click with and, like, uh, like, I've had this with friends and, like, romantic partners and stuff where you just, like, feel immediately known. Um, and I don't really believe in soulmates either, so, like, in my head, I'm like, that, if I met, like, a quote-unquote soulmate, it would be, like, that feeling, but, like, even extra. Right. Like, it would be this sort of magical feeling yeah, of, like, it would connection be like, that you've never had yeah. before. It would be a kind of connection that I've never experienced before that seems, like, really special in a way that the pet never dies, but, like, you can always get a pet. Like, it, it wouldn't, it doesn't feel, seem like a greater connection than you would have with any other dog or cat or whatever. You've clearly never had a pet that was your soulmate. I definitely have not. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, so my first instinct is, like, to go the soulmate route. But I would also have to be, like, in in my head, I'm like, is this, like, in my head, I would have to have, like, some sort of, like, open arrangement right. with my soulmate, I know? was gonna ask, Shelby, like, he's your soulmate, oh, but you never get to see him. Yeah, I have needs, and I assume he has needs wherever it is he is. Well, he, he's on Mars, so tough. There might be other Mars people there. 
Yeah, I don't know. I just, like, think that, like, the concept to me of a soulmate seems very special. So, like, I, but at the same time, like, to be constantly missing someone. Right. Seems like a burden. So. Yeah, to me, it just seems like in one scenario, you get the gift of never having to lose somebody that you, a creature that you love deeply. And in the other scenario, you get the burden of always losing, (laughs) never quite having a person that you love deeply. So I had a different question um, in the first iteration of this, which I'm curious if it changes your answer at all. Okay. It's still the, you can have an immortal pet or you meet your soulmate, but they have to move to Mars in a year. So you get just one year with this person. You get one year with this person. And you know the entire year that he's being shipped off to Mars. Okay, that does change it. Because then that changes the question because it's like, is it better to have one year? Loved and lost. Right, loved and lost, exactly. Yeah, and I think it, it does, it changes it because I think I'd like to believe, and, and I don't know this for sure. Yeah. Um, I would like to believe that I would so appreciate that one year knowing that I had loved that intensely with a soulmate for one year. Yeah. That I, that is, that is like a year of my life I would always cherish and never regret, even if it yeah. came to a close. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if it was just somebody that I just like never, ever got to ever spend time with or ever meet in person, that that would be too. Yeah. Too torturous, I think. Yeah. I think I still might go soulmate like uh, in the original question because I so I changed the question because I did think that we would both go the one year with the soulmate. Yeah. So I changed it because I was like, this like makes it a little more textured. I think I might go FaceTiming with the soulmate because it would be really nice to have that emotional connection with someone for however long it lasted. Um, and I would imagine that I would supplement my life with other relationships, but like knowing that I have that like solid support system in place, even if it's just an emotional one, I think would be really beneficial. But in this scenario, do you like know that they're your soulmate? Like, because if soulmates exist, then there's like the one person for you. And and that that sort of automatically means that everyone else is not quite for you, right? So then yeah. are all of your other relationships like textured by the fact that you know that they're not the one or they're not good, they're not as good as they could be or they're, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think in this scenario, I'm, like, not as excited by the other people than I am about this person on Mars. Right. So, like, there's just, like, like in this scenario, there would just be, like, a bunch of other people who play second fiddle in my life, and that, like, my most primary relationship is with this person on Mars. Right. Which would have its sadnesses, but I think it would also have its joys. Like, I think it's, like, greater risk, potentially greater reward. Like, it, it's, like, more of a roller coaster than the pet thing. The pet is just, like, constant happy. Right. But I think this, like, though it comes with deeper lows, it would come with higher highs, personally. Yeah, but, I, I mean, I think if you choose the immortal pet, you can still have 
fulfilling relationships, you know? Yeah, for it's, sure. It's not like the question is like, do you want an immortal pet and to be alone for your forever? Your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, That's to be true. single forever, which, you know, that may happen, but it's not because I have a pet. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's, there's so much more upside potential with the pet uh, because you could find someone that you love and cherish as a partner and have an immortal pet. Okay, you've convinced me. <laughs> Yay! Two episodes in a row. I'm impressed. Oh, thank you. All right. So do we want to talk about our hypothetical worlds? It's a very serious world. Um, I am wearing underwear that's uh, one size too small for me, but I am $10,000 richer. And I'm receiving a standing ovation in Carnegie Hall. And I can't can't wait to tell my soulmate about it over FaceTime that night. I it occurs to me now that if I'm the type of person who's getting a standing ovation at Carnegie Hall, I probably would need a lot more than ten thousand dollars to wear underwear that's too small for me. I think my rates would go up. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. You locked in that rate. At the beginning of the year, that and was, then your talents blew up. That was before and, I knew I was a celebrity. Yeah, and then you found your way to Carnegie Hall. Yeah. Well, I too would be wearing too small underwear, as I am currently. And uh, yeah, and I'd also, did we agree on a lot of stuff again? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I would be a pirate and you would be a ninja. I would so be a ninja. I would be a you ninja. You would have a mortal pet. With an immortal pet. Oh, my God. That's a story. <laughs> that is a story. <laughs> Done. But you're basically Mulan. I'm Mulan in this scenario. <laughs> and her underwear is just too small. But I am Mulan. <laughs> I... And she has some some sort of talent that gets her a standing ovation. It's her ninja skills. Yeah. Or her, you know, talking immortal dragon friend. I am so pleased to have Good. ended up in the world of Mulan. Yay. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Arguments About Nothing. Um, if you liked it, let us know. Um, rate us in your favorite uh, podcast app. Leave a review. I think we only have two reviews right now. So, like, the more the merrier. Um, and follow us on Instagram if you want to be a part of the listener's final say. And thank you to everyone who has already liked and subscribed and shared and voted on Instagram. We really appreciate you. Thank you again to Allison Fields. And thank you to my co-host Shelby, who did this even though she was sick. Oh, wow. I got to thank you, you this gotta time, thank guys. You. She's never thanked me before, but I this have. time. I have thanked her before. Thanks for casting with me. And until next time, keep fighting.